I would like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Tony. Good evening, everyone. I'm Tony. I'm compulsive over here. Thank you so much, John, for asking me. It's such a privilege um, and an honor to share an over your synonymous meeting. Um, I have been abstinent um, by the grace of God, because it's not really my, uh, my doing, um, for 19 years, almost 20 years. Um, and I will tell you that um, when I came in here, um, I didn't want to be like any of you. I just did not want to be like any of you. I thought you were all um, fat, happy people. And that, that wasn't my thing. You know, I, was, I had just been on a white-knuckle diet for three of the most miserable years of my life. And I, you know, I had just walked through these doors um, for reasons I'll tell you in a minute. And uh, um, I, I didn't want to be here. Um, and that embarked, um, that was uh, July 2nd of uh, 1986. And that embarked, um, you know, almost 20 years now of, of recovering from compulsive overeating. How I got here... Um, is, uh, and this is a familiar story to some of you, um, I came into this world prematurely. I was um, three months early. I had things to do. And uh, I was two pounds, three ounces, and I spent the next 20 years trying to make up for that. Um, I, uh, I was very sickly when I was born. Um, the the, the uh, doctors told my mother, um, he probably won't live through the night. Um, he's just too little. In 1965... A long time ago. Um, in 1965, that, they didn't really know um, as much as they do now about premature babies, and um, I had a sister that was born the year before me, and she weighed, she was heavier than I was, and she didn't make it, so they knew I wasn't going to make it. But I, I fooled them all. I struggled through, and I made it. In the first seven years of my life, I, I couldn't gain weight to save my life. Now, could I have that problem now? But um, I couldn't gain weight. Um, I was sickly. I had every childhood disease, one after another, chicken pox, measles, the whole thing, tonsils, and, you know, the size of Texas, and just um, everything that could um, befall a little child. And at seven, a couple of things happened. Uh, my mother was, was an alcoholic, and she got sober. And uh, she divorced my father. And she remarried another man in quick succession. She was married five times. She believed in doing it until she got it right. Um, and she, uh, she married this man who I did not like um, at all because I thought he was taking my mother away. And so at seven, everything changed. I discovered a couple things. I discovered chocolate and, just, and I discovered peanut butter. Now, I talk a lot about food and I name specific foods. And some people get really nervous and upset about that and I'm so sorry. You know, you just have to deal with that. Um, pray for me, and I'll have the best week I ever had. So um, I, I talk a lot about food because I don't ever want to go back to what it was like and think that, you know, it's okay to have, um, you know, natural peanut butter because, you know, if it looks like it, smells like it, tastes like it, I'm there, you know, in a minute. Um, I'll tell you, I, when, I, when I discovered carob, um, which is the most, for any of you who know what that is, um, it is just not a good chocolate substitute. But if you eat enough of it, you, it, it does taste like chocolate after a while, and you can really have a good time on that. So it doesn't melt very well, but, you know. Um, and so I discovered the um, peanut butter and chocolate, and chocolate became really the forefront forerunner of my compulsive overeating. And, <clears throat> you know, I... Some people have horrible stories of why they compulsively overate, um, and, you know, from bad childhoods and abuse and all those things. And I have to tell you, that's not my experience. My experience was 
I, when my mother remarried and she got sober, um, she, she became um, very entrenched in her own sobriety, and she actually became very well-known in, in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And so she spoke a lot, and she became very, very um, active. And so it was like, kind of like growing up in a movie star's house, you know. I mean, she was asked to speak in Canada and Texas and all over the place. And, of course, you know, it was like being a little celebrity. So, of course, I would go to the meetings, and I'd be sitting next to her, and they'd say, oh, you're Patty's son. And, you know, so it was kind of like, you know, I got off on that. I was, you know, kind of sick. But, um, <laughs> and so that was what it was like growing up. And so there was a lot of love in our house. You know, I, I don't come from abuse. I, I just don't. Thank God. You know, I'm just very blessed. And so... Um, and because there was a lot of love in our house, um, they never really um, limited me to anything. They, you know, for, I, I was, in, I grew up normally. I had an older sister, but she was gone from the house, and um, I grew up with. Um, I wasn't necessarily. I don't know if you call me spoiled. Well, maybe you would call me spoiled, but um, you know, within reason, I got pretty much what I, I wanted, and um, and my mother did love me very, very much, and so. Um, but she always, she saw me gaining weight, and she said, you know, we're going to, if you, she knew I was very vain. I, even even then, I was very vain. And uh, she said, you know, if you, well, the first thing that I ever found out about diets was, she said to me, um, if you lose weight, we'll, we'll get you better clothes. And I thought, hmm, now that's a reason. You know, because I always wanted to look good. She always looked good, and I always wanted to look good, too. So... I went on these, you know, that was the start of my dieting career. And I would lose the weight um, because I did not want the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization of shopping in the husky section. <laughs> for the guys, you know what that is. Um, that's when you, you're to, for your pants to fit around the waist, the pockets go down to your ankle. <laughs> and so I didn't want to do that because um, they just never fit right. And I'm short anyway. I came out of the womb like about this height, and I've never kind of grown very much more. But... Um, and so what happened was is that um, I would lose the weight and then, you know, then I just couldn't sustain it, you know. Um, and it talks in the big book in, in, um, that it talks about the reason that, compul- that we overeat is because, for me, it, it's because we like the effects produced by food. And, you know, that's what it is for me. When I ate um, a, a chocolate or a peanut butter, you know, the feeling of it, just the comforting and whatever else. You know, I could solve world peace. You know, I mean, give me a, a you know, a Snickers bar and, you know, I can tell you everything that's, that's wrong with the world and I can fix it for you too. Um, and so that's how it started. Um, and I gained weight very rapidly as a, as a little boy. I was not popular in school. I kind of was lonely a lot. Um, my parents went out a lot. But I learned how to sneak eat um, from a very young age. Um, and... They would leave, and I would wait this uh, this horribly long, obligatory 27 minutes, because that was how long it would take for for them to be gone, and I knew that then they weren't coming back, because sometimes, you know, they would double back, and they'd forget something or whatever, because meetings um, at that time in, in uh, that Tulsa program were later. They were like 8.30 at night, and so they would leave, and they'd be gone until like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, and so, you know, by from about... I don't know, 8 o'clock or so, I could get in like two or two and a half hours of really good eating before they came home. Now, I could run to the store, make up my story that I was babysitting 27 children, and they all wanted chocolate fudge Pop-Tarts, um, get them, bring them home, eat them, and then you know, on the way back, walk into the store, find, you know, come up with some other story. 
Um, and that was what I did for many, many years. I, I learned how to steal food. Um, I ate out of the garbage. That is something I thought I would never tell anybody when I came to these rooms. I thought, oh, how awful. But um, I did, and it wasn't because there wasn't food in our house. It was because it was there. Um, and there was something about it that, you know, I just had to do. Um, so as I said, there was a lot of love in our house. I, I, I never um, had that problem. Um, but my parents were gone a lot. And I don't have the ability to deal with the F word, feelings. And so what happened was is that when I was hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, all of those things, is food was my friend. And TV. You know, food, TV. I'd come home and, you know, I didn't really have any extracurricular activities and I'd come home and I'd eat. Um, and I would sneak things. And, you know, my mom would buy the, you know, the jar of peanut butter. And my favorite thing to do was, you know, she'd buy it on Sunday. Sundays was shopping night. And I would eat it you know, almost gone, and then I'd scoop it up on the sides to make sure that it was, like, looked like it was full. And then I would go through this agonizing trauma of making sure that it was in the exact same position on the countertop as it was when she put it there. Now, that was my sick mind, because, you know, I'm sure she couldn't remember how it looked when she, you know, put it down, but I knew that she was going to come in the room and go, you've been in that again. And so I always lived in that fear of, uh, of being caught um, but that didn't stop me, um, and I, I got, um, I stole food, and I got caught, and uh, for anybody that's ever gotten caught as a child, and your mother has to come down in curlers um, to a store to pick your little butt up, um, not a fun time, um, and the look on her face, um, you know, was just horrible, and then they told me, they said, you know, if you steal again, we're going to put you in jail, and I was 12, and so... Uh, that fear was a big motivator for me, so I was like, I'm never going to steal again. You know, it wasn't about that it was wrong. I was just, oh, I'm not going to go to jail. And, um, you know, so I stole food. To speed forward, how I, um, how I got here was I, I learned how to diet. I did it up and down, up and down for, to dress for gym, to not dress for gym. You know, I didn't want anyone to see my lily white fat body. Um, and I wore everything long sleeves, kind of like I'm doing today, but um, for a different reason. Um, I wore... Everything, you know, I wore T-shirts under my clothes because I didn't want anyone to see my skin. And I knew, I knew that I was fat, but I thought if I covered it, that it didn't exist. You didn't see it. It was gone. Magic. Oof. And so, you know, I covered everything. And in the summer, I would wear, it would be, you know, 900 degrees. And I would be in floor-to-ceiling clothes with a big, heavy jacket or sweater on. And people would say, I'm just hot looking at you. Aren't you hot? And they'd say, oh, no. Mm-mm. And they'd say, how could you not be hot? And I said, well, you know, I can regulate my body temperature. <laughs> and I can just cool myself down. And I truly believed in my mind that I could do that. Um, you know, I, probably I couldn't. Um, I wore two colors. Um, when I, and this is um, in my early childhood, my early adult years. I wore two colors, brown and blue. I'm still wearing brown. And, um, and I... I wore blue on, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and brown on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, I wore out all my pants in the crotch because my legs rubbed together. Um, and I wore corduroy pants, so you know how that looked. That was pretty bad. Um, and I just, I didn't know how to stop. You know, I, I did all the things that it said in the book um, about, you know, I, I would swear off it forever. Um, I was eating at the end of my... Um, real big eating career uh, in about 1983, I was up to um, three-quarter pound bags of M&M's a day, four liters of Pepsi, regular, not sugar-free by any means. And um, 
I had developed a, a new obsession, which was brownie mix. Now, this is a very important story for those of you who have never done it, but um, I realized in my chocolate desire that I wanted something that no one else could do. And how it was is that I loved brownies, and so I thought, well, I really love chocolate too, but I don't want to wait for them to be finished. So I wonder, and I started by, by um, eating that Nestle Quick stuff, you know, you put it in milk and, you know, some chocolate milk, and I would, like, take a spoonful of that, and I thought, ooh, that's really good. So then I thought, well, this is, what a great idea. I'm just going to buy brownie mix and eat it out of the box. And it's, it really is a gift because, you, you know, to eat dry brownie mix... Put it in your mouth, and one fal- false move, if you breathe the wrong way, it's brown smoke everywhere, you know? I mean, you cough, and it's just all over the place. So I learned how to do this, and it was an art form for me, and I could consume a box of dry brown mix a day. And that's what I was doing. So, at, And I didn't really think that this was a bad thing. I kind of wore it as a badge of courage. I thought, wow, I'm the only one in America that can do this, you know? And I couldn't tell anybody. But I, I thought this was really great that I could do it. Um... And so finally the day came when um, I, I, got to, I got through high school um, and uh, I went to college and I was in a, um, I signed up for theater classes because, you know, all growing up in my life, I wanted people to like me. That's all I wanted you to do. I wanted you to smile at me. I wanted you to, you know, um, embrace me. I wanted you to love me, laugh with me, um, not laugh at me, which was a difference, um, but I didn't know what that was. And so I went into this theater class, and, and everybody, you know, in the theater class was, um, they were all thin, very thin, actually, and they were all in those, you know, skimpy little leotards and tights and looking all cute and everything like that, and, you know, I wasn't. And so I wore floor-to-ceiling sweats in, you know, August, and so I wanted them to like me, so the only way I could think of to do this was I thought I was going to run down the room. Um, now, these rooms were... Wood floor. Okay, that's the first key. Second thing was they were all mirrors. Um, and so I was going to run down this hardwood floor. I was going to jump up in the air, twirl around, come down with a graceful landing, and everybody was going to applaud and they were going to love me. They were going to love me. I am 5'4 and 3'8, very important. I am now 200 pounds at that point. Um, and I will tell you that a 5'4 inch, 5'4 and 3'8 uh, foot man. Um, at 200 pounds, does not run, leap, fly, jump, twitter, twirl, or anything, or, and does not come down with a graceful landing on a hardwood floor, which is probably hollow, as I recall. Um, and so I did this, um, and I came down, and, I, and everybody was, like, you know, applauding and laughing, and I thought, wow, this is great. And then I looked, and I saw myself in the mirror, and everything was just moving. Nothing was landing at the same time, and I... And I realized at, at that moment, I was shocked beyond belief that um, they were laughing at me. And I thought I wanted to just crawl away and die. Um, this was what my life had become, um, that I wasn't getting what I wanted. Um, and I, I, didn't, I, I wasn't capable of, of doing it any other way. So um, at that point, I went on my, what I told you was my white knuckle three-year. Um, I gave up chocolate like that. Absolutely done. It was over. And Pepsi at the same time, done. And I went through some horrible sugar withdrawals. I mean, you give up those two things and the amount that I was consuming. I went through some horrible sugar withdrawals. 
Um, and at the end of, I, I don't even know, I don't remember those three years very much at all. I just remember someone at the end of it, I think it was kind of like coming out of a fog and you like all of a sudden realize there are people standing around you and someone says, God, you look great. You know, what did you do? You know, how much have you lost? And I said, I don't know. And I knew that I was 200 pounds. I knew that I had a 40-inch waistline when I started this. Um, so I got on the scale and I realized I had lost 75 pounds. And I thought, wow, 75 pounds. That's great. I deserve to celebrate. <laughs> but I knew. You see, I had been to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, and I had been to one Overeaters Anonymous meeting, and I knew that I could not have chocolate and Pepsi again. I knew that was over. So I decided to have vanilla and 7-Up. <laughs> New malt, you know, like put it in the jar and the, whole, and the cup and the whole thing. And so then I knew I was in trouble. But I didn't go to Overeaters Anonymous because, you see, I had come to Overeaters Anonymous and I, when I was about oh, I don't know, 11 or so, and um, I didn't fit in. You know, I was a, a child in a room of adults, and I, I didn't understand what they were talking about. They didn't understand what I was doing there. And, you know, I've said this before a million times, and I, I always pray that it gets better, but we don't know what to do with young people in Overeaters Anonymous. We don't know how to reach out to them. And, and it's so odd to me because we were all young compulsive overeaters or bulimics or anorexics, so y- you'd think that we could figure this out, but we... You know, we, we just don't know how to relate to them. And, and it was very uncomfortable for me because I was there and they didn't want to talk about their stuff and I didn't have anything to say myself because, you know, I was there because my mom said, well, why don't you go there? And, you know, I thought, okay, well, she has a program, I have a program, let's try this. And it, it just didn't work. So um, I had been and I, I wasn't interested in going again. And um, at that point, um, my higher power um, became well-known to me and, and uh, I called someone a friend to speak to his roommate and the, the man before he put his roommate on the phone he said you know uh, Tony I, I've seen your mom and I know your mom and I, I've seen you at meetings and I know that you've lost a lot of weight recently and uh, um, you know I belong to a program called Overeaters Anonymous and I went well how nice for you and uh, he said I'm going to a meeting and I said well that's great um, and he said well why don't you come with me I said no I'm busy for the rest of my life and yours <laughs> And uh, he said, really, this is a, you know, it's a good program. I think you'll really enjoy it. And I was like, this man is going to drive me insane. I said, you know, I just wanted to talk to who I, you know, I just give the phone to the, and he wouldn't do it. And he was like relentless. And finally, I, you know, the people pleaser in, in me kicked in, um, which was another one of my wonderful character defects. You know, I, I would, I would do every, I would go out of my way to make you happy, you know, because then you'd like me. And so I said, okay, well, um, I'll go for you. Now, I don't think I said those words because, you know, he would have picked up on that. But I said, okay, I'll go. And I thought, well, I'm going for him and I'm going to take my own car because then I can leave and you know, I'll be trapped. So I went and it was a Wednesday night Temple Beth Long meeting, which is no longer there. And all I remember was the room was completely orange. It was just completely orange. And I thought, <laughs> And it was set up for bingo and it was just a really weird looking place. And this man met me there and he introduced me to every single person in the room. He knew everybody by their first name, and he did the, the worst thing that you could ever do to a, you know, someone. I didn't think I was a newcomer then, but he introduced me, you know, Wendy, this is Tony, he's at his first meeting. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, 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 no. No, I am not a compulsive overeater. I am not, and I am not definitely at my first meeting. That's just not right. So I would, he would move on to the next person, and I would unintroduce myself to them by saying, <laughs> and 
they would do what Wendy is doing now, which is they smile and they say, keep coming back. <laughs> and so and I thought, whatever, next one. You know, we did this all the way around the room, and I thought, this is just odd. So then, you know, he went off to talk to somebody, and this woman came up to me, and she was really large, and she said, um, well, I don't know what you're doing here, though. You're thin. And I thought, finally, finally, somebody has recognized the fact that I am just here, you know, to help someone else out. And, she, and I said, you're absolutely right. And I turned around and I thought, forget him. I'm out of here. I got my own car. I'm leaving. And I, I turned around and I remember just not being able to really walk very fast. And I thought, okay. Something in the back of my mind told me that this was where I needed to be. And so I, was gonna, so I decided, well, okay, I'm going to stay. Just see what's going on here, because I'm older now and it'll be different, I guess. So I stayed, and I don't remember who spoke. I remember there was one person who's still here, and he, I remember he was at my first meeting. Um, but I don't remember who the speaker was, but I do remember that the speaker said that their absence was three meals a day, nothing in between, and no second trips to the buffet bar. And I thought, that's it? Oh, ooh, anyone could do that. I could do that. That's all it is. Because I knew, see, I knew that if I went on another diet, I was going to break it. So my abstinence, whatever that was, which I didn't know what it was yet, I knew it couldn't be a prison sentence because it would be a death sentence. And I wouldn't follow it because I'm a liar and a cheat. And I would find a way because, you know, years, years before that when I had tried all those, you know, fad diets and, and that powdered stuff, which we don't like to name because, you know, outside issue or whatever, but mm-hmm. that stuff with, you know, vitamins and herbal stuff and life. And so... Um, you have to have two shakes a day and all these horrible vitamins, and then you get one meal. Well, I learned, I thought this was really ingenious. I started borrowing meals from other days. <laughs> the problem is, is after a while, the math gets really screwed up. And, and I couldn't figure out what day I had borrowed from and, and what day I was still eligible for. So I just, you know, I just threw up my hands and ate away. So, um, you know, you can lose weight on those things, but, you know, I didn't because I abused it. So... Um, I, I heard that that person's, what that person's abstinence was, and I, I, um, I took that. You know, they didn't say that you couldn't have sugar, so I had um, what we call recreational sugar, candies, cookies, cake, all that stuff. I had that, um, and tried to go out with compulsory eaters to fellowship after a meeting and order a vanilla milkshake. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, the whole conversation is going along, going along, and all of a sudden it, it, they see it coming to the table, and everybody's eyes just rivet to it. Still holding this conversation, but they're watching this milkshake come down, and they're, it's hovering, and they're just, you know, and then it comes down, and it sets down, and everybody's still talking, and then they're watching me drink it, and it's, it's the most amazing thing, and, you know. So um, I did that for, for many, many years. And um, I remember my first, my first um, candle I took... Um, my mom gave me my candle, and uh, she thought this was very funny. I did too, but no one else did. She brought me, um, you know, because my binge food was M&M's. I mean, M&M's were like the best thing for me because, you know, they were small. They were chocolate. You could put them in your mouth. They'd melt. They'd become chocolate. You know, it was just fabulous. I just loved it. And so I could hide them in my pocket, and it was, oh, I just loved it. And so um, one bag here, one bag here, one bag here, one, you know. Just don't sit on them, and, you know, and you're in the sun, and that's pretty bad. So, um so, you know, she brought this big, huge bag of M&M's with the no symbol taped on it. And she gave it to me as an example. She showed it to everyone at the meeting, and, you know, the air sucked out of the room. <laughs> you know, I mean, they thought, oh, 
how could she do that? And, you know, we thought it was hysterical. We thought it was really funny. Um, but, they, you know, people didn't really understand it. So, anyway, that was an So, I, I got to that first meeting, and, I, and uh, that man who, who had me come um, with him, he became my first sponsor. I, I don't really know how. I just kind of stayed there because I thought, oh, well, this is okay. I can do this a little bit. And, um, he, but I was very defiant. I, I know you wouldn't know that, but um, I was very defiant, and he said, I want you to call me every day. I'm going to be your sponsor. And I said, you know, I have nothing to say to you every day. He said, well, really, you need to call me every day. And, you know, I just, I, I just thought this was just really too much, you know. I mean, I could call you on the phone and say hello, but he says, well, you know, call and report the weather. That's really not what he meant. But, of course, because I am who I am, I would call him up and say, it's 72 degrees outside and cloudy. Goodbye. (laughs) Which did not last very long, I will tell you, and I was fired by my sponsor. Mm -hmm. He fired me, and and I thought, whatever, that's his loss. You know, because I'm going to be a big star and over your (laughs) songs. And I took my 30-day chip, and I was fabulous. And I took my 60-day chip, and I was even more fabulous. 90, 6 months, 9 months and then my year, and I thought I was like, you know, the cat's meow. And so I knew all the things to say. I repeated everything. God couldn't would if you were saga, blah, 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 blah. Um, Except I thought it was very bizarre that, you know, at that point we said the Lord's Prayer. We don't do it as much anymore. But And people changed the words, and I thought it was so bizarre because they didn't want to say bread. They said strength. And I thought, oh, please, get over yourself. You know, if you say bread, it's not going to come out and, like, run and hit you and throw you to the ground. <laughs> And I carried that sucker in the back of my trunk 
every, and I was there every single Sunday, and you know, and then six months was over, and, and someone else wanted it, and, and I raised my hand, and I was like, well, I can take it again, and they gave it to me again, and I was like, yes. And like after a year, they finally said, you know, we need to give it to someone else, and they did, and then a week later, it was stolen. I'm like, see, I told you, you should let me keep it. So um, I did. I did a lot of service, and that's really what what kept me here. But you know, the fir- my spiritual awakening, which is what I was going to say, is that um, you know, for the first six months, I was so miserable. I just hated being here, and all my friends that that I came in with, they were having these you know wonderful experiences. They were skipping down the road of life and la 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 and happy, joyous, and free and all that crap. And I just didn't quite get that. I thought, well, they're all faking it, you know, because really they're miserable just like me. They're just not showing it, you know. Um, and I wasn't, I was like, you know, hanging on. And so I was driving down the street and I, and, you know, they were all talking about God and how spiritual they were. And I thought, yeah, mm-hmm. Boy, if they could see you outside of me, they, they'd know what you're about. But I, 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 I was judgmental. Um, and so I'm driving down the street and I said, okay, God, if you're there, I want you to show me a sign. And I looked down, and there was the meeting directory. Now, it had been in my car, but I don't know how it got on the floor, and I don't know, but, you know, so I was like, okay, not good enough. <laughs> um, I pulled over, because I said I'm not going to do this while driving, I, you know, because I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, if you're there, you know, so I pulled over, and I, I picked up the meeting directory. I said, all right, if you're there, there's going to be a meeting where I am right now. And I opened the meeting directory, and the Clara Foundation in Culver City was right across the street. I said, not good enough. <laughs> there has to be one right now. It was right now, about five minutes away, you know, five minutes from then. I said, ooh, okay, well, you got my attention. So I went across the street, and I remember, I, I remember all I remember is walking through the doors and just feeling so tired of, like, doing it Tony's way. So tired. You know, um, one more time I had tried to white-knuckle this. Um, I was abstinent, but it wasn't, I wasn't spiritually sound. I wasn't, I wasn't reading the literature. I wasn't doing what um, we need to do um, to maintain a fit spiritual, fit spiritual condition. Um, and so it was very, very challenging for me. And so I, I finally walked through the doors, and I was ready. You know, I was, I, I, all of a sudden I heard the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions like I had never heard them before. Like, they were brand new. I was like, well, how? You know, admitted that I was powerless over food, and my life had, you know, was unmanageable. I'd become unmanageable. And, you know, for years I thought, there was nothing unmanageable about my life. You know, just people wouldn't do it my way. And if they get out of my way, then, you know, everything would be good. And, you know, it's like what they talk about in our big book about, you know, I was like the actor. I was arranging everything, you know. And, and it's like, just, just tell me that I'm good and... Let me do what I want to do, and then I'll be fine. And then I won't eat either, you know, because I knew that if everything was okay in my life, then that, then I wouldn't need to eat. You know, I wouldn't be frustrated and angry, and I, you know, I wouldn't need to do all that. But, you know, when all those things got corrected, I still ate because then I was happy. You know, so I don't know. There was another reason to eat. I was happy. Yay! You know, celebrate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, pop those, you know, M and M. So, um. I, I had that spiritual experience, and, and I slowly crawled into um, getting more spiritual. And it, it didn't happen overnight, and it's still a work in progress because, you know, there are days when I'm fighting against God's will, fighting, because I think I know what to do. And those are the days when my life does not go very well at all. Um, the days when I get up and I pray and meditate, 
and I say, you know, your will, not mine, be done, and I really kind of turn it over, um, those are the days when I'm the most happiest. But um, the days where I get up and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this and this and this and this, and I'm going to, you know, and they're going to call, and, I'm gonna, and if they don't call, then I'm going to call them, and, you know, and I'm try, really trying to mess with everything, it just doesn't go well. And I just, I, I just get frustrated a lot. So um, the spiritual experience has been um, the one that, that has been the longest for me. Um, I talked about that um, I, uh, I had recreational sugar in my abstinence for many years. And, um, and actually um, about, so I had, the, I had no sponsor. Um, I was eating recreational sugar, la, 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 la. And it wasn't a problem for many years. And then about three years ago, um, I met up with the second sponsor I had, and uh, I met him outside of a meeting, and he said, he says, which I don't know, who knows, he says that he told me that he was going to sponsor me again, but I remember that I asked him, but, you know. And so he, uh, he said, um, you know, call me, and so it took me like a couple days, because I thought, let's see if this old pattern works again, you know, so I let him wait for a couple of days, and then I called. And, uh, and we, we talked, and... and you know, I was, I was totally different then. I was willing. And, you know, from that day on, I called him every single day. And I call him every day now. And I look forward to calling him every day. And I thought, that's just weird, you know. But I get up, 7 o'clock. I was on vacation on Friday. I called him at 7 o'clock, you know. Um, and I wanted to call him. I wanted to talk to him. And, and he, it's so funny because he says, so you're going to report the weather? Because he knows my story. <laughs> so we kind of, that's kind of a joke now. Um, and my first sponsor is no longer in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and it's very sad. And, and the last um, I heard about him, he's uh, 600 pounds. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't find him either. I've tried to locate him um, because I just want to thank him and see how he's doing. And, and um, But I, I haven't been able to locate him. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware every day that it's such a gift that I'm here. You know, such a gift. Um, and... My mother um, was. My mother and I were very close, um, and I was able to walk through her death in this in this program. Um, she got terminal brain cancer when I was um, 21 years old, and uh, she, and the night she died, I was at an Overeaters Anonymous meeting because that's all I knew how to do. Um, my mother and my stepfather died in the same weekend. He died on Friday, and she died on Sunday, and it was you know. But all I knew how to do was go to a meeting because I knew I was safe here. And so, if you're struggling, keep going to meetings because that will keep you. Um, grounded in, in this program. Um, I, I love Overeaters Anonymous. Um, my, I, have, I have sponsees, and I will tell you, um, that is a great joy. Um, when I, for many years, I didn't sponsor. I thought, what, you know, and my sponsor now tells me, yeah, what did you have to give? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, I have a lot to give. <laughs> I do. I get you on a daily basis, don't I? Yes. And you too, right? <laughs> One that some call every day and some don't. Um, but, so they're, they're always like me. They're always like me. And, and you know, we laugh a lot. Um, you'll see us at meetings and, and we try to behave, but we're not very good. You know, we, we laugh a lot. And, but I, I believe, as my mother does, that laughter heals. And, you know, we spent so many of our years miserable, you know. Um, and so we laugh at the funniest things, the goofiest things, and we laugh at, at ourselves and, and, you know, what we do as compulsive overeaters and how we get through life and how we don't get through life and, you know, just the craziness of, of everyday life. But 
you know, we do it absently. We do it, you know, like one day at a time, you know, and we just get through it. And there are some days when we're, when we're just messed up. We just get really kind of messed up. And it's okay. We work through it. Um, so it's been an incredible journey. Um, you know, I, uh, I gave up recreational sugar. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. I gave up recreational sugar um, about uh, two years ago. I, you know, you should never, here's a saying that I always say, you should never tell your sponsor something that you don't want to come back at you because I remember calling him and I said, you know, I think this recreational sugar thing is a, is a bit of a problem. You know, not thinking that anything would come of it, you know. The very next day he says, so you want to try no recreational sugar today? I said, well, all right. And, you know, the next day he said, so what about today? I was like, okay. And, you know, we did this for about three weeks, and then all of a sudden it was like, I said, you know what, I don't, I don't want it. I mean, you don't want it. There's, you know, there's stuff out there that you've never had. And, you know, but I, I realized that I, I didn't want the, that, that horrible feeling of, of wanting it every day and have to having it every day. I didn't want that anymore. It was so important to me. I didn't want the anger and the frustration and the loneliness and all those things that came with it. I didn't want that anymore. My life was so much different. And I was closer to God. That was the other thing. Is Once I took that crap out of my body, you know, I, I had more time to, like, you know, get more spiritual, which I thought I didn't think that would ever happen either. But um, so, you know, I, I put that in my food plan. And that's the hardest thing is because there's a difference for me between food plan and absence. And my absence is I don't eat chocolate. I don't eat... Um, I don't uh, drink uh, Diet Coke and um, Cheetos, which I love Cheetos. And um, so those are the things that are in my absence. My food plan has no recreational sugar, um, and that's about it. That, that encompasses a lot of stuff. And so if I were to eat it, it wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't break my absence, but I just don't, I just don't want that anymore. So it's totally different. So anyway, um, I want to close by, by um, telling you that you know, this is a, a phenomenal program. It's, it, you really have to want it. You really have to want it because it's not easy. Um, you know, there are days when I get up and I think, you know, all those normal people, they get up and they get to have white chocolate Reese's peanut butter cups. It's not fair. <laughs> it's just not fair. Besides, and then they eat like a piece of chocolate cake and they eat a bite of it. And, they say, and I had a student worker the other day and he took a bite of chocolate cake and he put it in and he goes, oh, that's too rich, I want real food. And I thought... I just wanted to kill him. I just wanted to kill him. I'm like, you know, there are starving people that would eat that, like me. So, anyway, I'm not one of those, but um, I'm really blessed to be in this program. I'm really blessed to have the absence and the spiritual life that I have today. Um, I have wonderful friends. I've met wonderful people in this program that, that I know and that I love and that they love me back, and that was a gift that I never contemplated when I first came through these doors. And my mother said to me, and I'll leave you with this, she said, you know, Tony, you're embarking on a program, this is when I was about, I don't know, three months, and she said, you know, you're, you're, you've just come into this program, this is her big book, by the way, which I, I just love, caring, but um, she said, one of these days, you're going to walk through a meeting of Overs Anonymous with, and be able to hold your head high, um, and you will never have to, you know, be ashamed of yourself anymore, and that will happen for you, and I, I, I just didn't understand that. And you know, now I can walk into a meeting of Overs Anonymous and, and, ha- and hold my head high. Um, and, and if it's not, oh, sorry. Well, that's not what I meant. But anyway, and, and, um, and I have the respect um, of all my fellows, and they have respect for me. So, And I hope that that all happens for you. So thank you for letting me share.
Yes. Hi. So much. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, and happy humor. Uh, I think the previous uh, little behavior that sort of captivates one. That, you know, my uh, question for you is recently I, I identified more with the addictive part of the actual food, where I could tell where my body really started craving it, which had nothing to do with my thoughts. It had to do with the physical response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you gave up sugar, did you go through that? Uh, there are questions about craving. Um, and did I go through um, the physical withdrawal. with physical withdrawal? Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there were, um, right before I gave up the recreational sugar, which is the most recent experience, um, you know, I was like, I was eating, um, out of the refrigerator. I thought that was like, you know, and it was like pretty little dollop, little cookie dough things. I thought, great, why wait for it to bake? You know, and I would just eat this and then like all of a sudden the next day he said, what about not today? And I thought, but there's a whole rest of the box in there, you know. And I would walk by that, that refrigerator and I, I wanted it so bad and I thought, you know, he'll never know. And then I would like, you know, I would start to shake because I was thinking, oh my gosh, I just, I, I just want a little bit of it to take the edge off. Um, and then I, I would physically have to do something for five more minutes. You know, I physically say, okay, in five more minutes, if I, if I still want it, I'm going to have it, or I'm going to call him, you know, because he said I'd have to call. And, and I, I just, I had to do that every day, every day, for about, probably about a good seven days, and then it kind of got better. It does get better. It, it, you know, it just, and I had to make commitments. That was the other thing, is I had to make commitments that I would call if I was going to do something before I did it. Which, you know, and you know what I said, I, I hated calling people, you know, it's, ugh. So, um, but that was, that was a really horrible, and I thought the shame of having to say, I really want to have this little dollop of cookie dough, you know, it was just too embarrassing, so. <laughs> hope that answers your question. Do you encounter that now with people who sit all or do you He goes, okay, well, 
you did the right thing. Moving on. I mean, and it's not a big deal. We didn't have to go through this big, you know, drama about it. You know, so it does, it does happen, and, you, and I just recognize that it's, it is an issue, and I pray to God to let it go, and then, you know, just don't buy it. <laughs> and then it's gone, you know. I, there's no other way for me. Oh, that is, okay. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah.